thank you for joining me on the first ever Joy of Marketing podcast. We've got some great guests lined up and we're starting with one of the best. <laughs> Colin Gillespie is the Chief Strategy Officer and co-founder of All Response Media based in London but with customers throughout the UK, Europe and the US. It's an agency that focuses on customer acquisition and measurement rather than just spending as much of the client's money as possible. In my marketing career, I recruited more than 1 million e-commerce customers and Colin was a really big part of that. So thank you, Colin. Uh, Helping mainly with TV, but also with some offline. So I think it's pretty appropriate that he is guest number one. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Andrew. And um, yeah, no pressure on the billing. Um, um, (laughs) Having helped you achieve um, the success you have um, thus far, hopefully there's going to be... um, a couple of three nuggets that I can share with your engaged audience. So, um, yeah, many thanks. An honor to be here. Thank you. Great. Thanks. So, let, well, let's start off by talking about cash. So, I mean, how, how much money do you spend on customer acquisition each Perfect. year for your clients? Yeah, good question. So, um, yeah, so, so, so first of all, obviously, I always um, position the uh, money spent as uh, money that we're investing on behalf of our clients. So, talking about our investment portfolio, <laughs> using true. that as the uh, – um, analogy. Um, I, I guess our, our three-year rolling average billings is um, around 200 million, which is a lot, um, of which circa 50% is TV, around 40%, 35-40% of our um, investment portfolio is digital media, and it's everything from search um, all the way through to Facebook, social, etc. Um, and we also still invest in the old-fashioned stuff um, called press radio and out of home, um, which makes it the rest. But there's no doubt that um, TV and digital, um, as is the way certainly for e-commerce businesses and, and certainly those in the performance space, that is a thrust um, of, of what we do. Um, you talked about clients. Um, I think the thing that binds, without a doubt, the, the, the modus operandi of the clients that we work with, but the ones that we work best with are those who enjoy counting stuff. Um, because if you count stuff, then it means that you're quite happy to be accountable um, and you can also optimize as well. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, going back to that trading investment portfolio analogy, um, it really is a live portfolio of investment that we're, that we're trading and, and looking to optimize that on a near time, real time basis. Yeah, I would say as as a purchaser of marketing, the thing that I think I, I found helpful is I obviously started out as most people do online. So I was, you know, doing my Google pay-per-click and then I began to move to TV and offline. Um, and I think that was one of the areas where you actually really helped because obviously when you're doing online, you can just log in and see exactly how things are going. Whereas when you move on to some of these other media, that just gets a little bit trickier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and, and so, I mean, it, it's, it's a good interesting point you raise, i.e. the point at which one jumps off from a marketing perspective when you move from digital um, to other channels. And, and I mean, I guess there's a number of 101s that, um, or, or a checklist, I should say, that you might want to want to look at. And I'd always say the point at which you believe um, clearly that um, the first KPI being the cost per visit, if you're familiar with the, you know, the digital sphere, the minute you believe your cost per visit um, can be positively enhanced by above-the-line activity, one, because it actually rises the tide and the intense signals that digital obviously is very good at harvesting. If by doing more above the line drives a lower digital um, marketing return or a higher digital marketing return, but a lower cost, then that's great. But equally, 
if above the line in isolation can be even cheaper than your digital, then you should do it. Can I actually just interrupt briefly there? So just for the benefit of listeners that maybe aren't familiar with the term above the line and below the line, I guess above the line would refer to more traditional brand style advertising where there's maybe not an immediately obvious return. Correct, yeah. So, um, I mean, above the line um, in, in typical speak would be everything from press through to TV, radio, ads of home, even loose inserts to a degree. Um, whereas below the line, actually, um, as well as digital, one could also include direct mail as well, actually, thinking out loud. But but just talking about that test, the first sniff test, I guess one should always be thinking about really um, how you move digital um, or digital marketing through to a more omni-channel approach. Um, the sniff test for me is, is where I say to you, if um, if you're in a space where you rely heavily on generic traffic, but you'd rather get more brand traffic um, because brand traffic by definition should be cheaper, certainly when you're working with Google anyway, then that should be the point at which you, you really start to consider what a bubble line could do for you if you find that the cost of generic traffic um, buying generic clicks um, or generic audiences um, is such that it makes your business um, to scale efficiently anyway um, makes it quite restrictive. So we find, and, and, and the thing that I, I often talk to clients about, which gets a wry smile or a frown if I'm talking to Google, I also always talk about helping advertisers avoid the Google tax. And I could also broaden that to say avoid the Amazon tax as well. And when I talk about that, really what I'm saying is all your above-the-line activity is trying to achieve is more direct traffic straight via the browser or the contact center, um, but straight into your business and not via one of the intermediary platforms who ultimately charge you for it. And Um, I have to say that that price has also rocketed. I mean, if I think back to, I guess, when I started with Google, which would be, oh, I don't know what that must be. 14 years ago or something like that now i mean google at that time was incredibly cheap and i mean the main thing that has happened is that the price has inflated like where am i going to go with this uh simile inflated like uh tesla's stock price um <laughs> and so while and funnily enough when i originally started with google i started because it was so cheap compared to offline media whereas i would yeah. certainly say that has undoubtedly flipped around dramatically over the past yeah. and, and, and And definitely bucketing Amazon with that, um, albeit the nuance with Amazon is that ultimately um, they own the customer relationship as opposed to you owning it direct if the traffic is landing within your ecosystem. So disintermediating Amazon actually from a lifetime value perspective is super important. Um, you want the customer landing with you so that you can monetize them um, over the duration of, of that commercial life and not Amazon. Um, the, the other reality is certainly in the e-commerce space is that Amazon is probably an even better search engine for consumers than Google. So de facto search for products actually is increasingly Amazon and less Google. Um, well, so you do need to disintermediate. Well, I'd certainly say absolutely. I mean, as a consumer myself, when I'm looking to buy, I would definitely say I use Amazon a multiple more times than I use um, Google. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so. I mean, back to your your question. You know, re understanding the point at which um, above the line becomes interesting is it's interesting when one can measure and be in the weed as much as you are in digital. Um, and certainly, we're we're one of um, a few agencies. Um, I'd like to think who do pretty well. 
um, where we can effectively count um, above the line ROI um, to the same degree of accuracy as, as we can do um, for digital. And obviously within that as well, just to throw another complication in there, um, or at least something that one should be aware of, is then the, the increasingly difficult space um, when you're thinking about attribution between channels as well. Yeah, so, I, mean, so- I remember speaking to a customer at Diet Chef and asking her, where did you hear about my company? And she said, well, I saw an advert in a magazine, then a friend mentioned it, then I saw something on TV, then I put it into Google. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, where, where do you actually attribute a journey like yeah. that? Yeah, and, 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 and that, that I think actually is, um, I mean, it's one of life's, or marketing's um, greater mysteries. Um, but actually, sometimes I think it can be overplayed, um, certainly for businesses um, who are thinking about scaling and scaling quickly. And I think it's overplayed because you're always looking for last-click attribution. Consumers don't think in the way that marketers would like us or would like consumers to think. Can we bucket consumers in a way that makes it easy for us to count attribution? Well, that's not a consumer's job. Their job is to, as you say, see a TV ad which might prompt some desire um, they might see something in print which reinforces that desire and might be actually closer to the point that they're in market. They may actually hear a radio ad. We're actually at the point at which they are in market, and then they go and do a Google search, which ultimately harvests that intent. Um, all of these things, it's fine for them all to work together. So, again, I'd always say when you're thinking about how you layer these channels on, do not forget the aggregate effect of the cost per that you're looking to achieve. Um, for sure, understand what the micro slices are delivering. So if you can make a fairly accurate attribution as to what TV is driving or print or digital, et cetera, but more than anything, just understand the amount of money you're spending in aggregate and the amount of sales you're making in aggregate. And as long as that number, first of all, lines up, um, then you're in the right place. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I spent years trying to work out exactly what ad was driving what. And I think ultimately I said, well, I'm spending money on advertising. My sales are going up dramatically, so it must be working. <laughs> and yeah. and that that's maybe um, that's the first sniff test. Um, I mean, where where it also gets interesting though is, um, and this will depend on how contested your market um, is from a competition point of view. Because um, clearly, if you're in the motor insurance space, um, then your your requirement to spend a bucket load of money above the line. Um, because it's such a highly contested market um, from an advertising perspective, is very different to a market where actually you're the only guy in town selling that product or that service. And, and, and which ultimately, as I said, plays into, you know, how contested is your generic space versus your brand space. Um, and that's where you can be smart and we're creative. Um, and equally, what you can do with Google and, and how you run your PPC strategies, that's how you get start to get the smarts, I think, um, which is ultimately outfoxing your competition. Sure. Well, I said, I mean, tell me about it. I mean, I mean, one of my competitors at Machine Labs has raised $150 million and is spending a lot of it on, um, on marketing. So trying to go into a Google auction head-to-head with $10 billion companies um, I think you can. I think it's fairly easy to see who's going to be the winner of that contest. <laughs> and yeah. It's not going to be. It's not going to be me as the little guy, is it? Exactly. Um, so tell me, it, do you think there's a? And I know you have a lot of e-commerce and direct-to-consumer client. Well, that is probably the bulk of your business, isn't it? Um, mm. Would you say there's a particular category that is doing well at the moment? Yeah. Um, I mean, everything subscription-based. Um, I need to catch this carefully. Um, 
Subscription-based businesses do well because ultimately um, you get to understand lifetime value, which means that you understand what you can afford to pay to recruit that customer in the first instance. So a subscription-based model um, definitely gives the agency, if you like, or the marketing team on the, on the client side a few more levers to play with because you understand lifetime value and therefore you understand what the cost of acquisition should be. You also um, are more instinctively tuned to um, what churn metrics, what good churn metrics look like, um, stroke retention, average revenue, and all that sort of good stuff. So subscription as a platform, I would say, is definitely one that's easier, I'd say, to get to work above the line. In terms of verticals in in the particular, though, um, and sort of trying to think of it not purely through a COVID filter, but the COVID filter probably wins out. Definitely, um, I mean, from what we've seen in our our business anyway, um, those who are leaning more into spend rather than leaning out to spend, um, we've got um, a few in the the pet food um, um, space with Bella and Duke. Um, That's doing really well. Um, Food delivery, doing really well. That Mark from Bell and Duke is actually going to be a guest um, on this podcast later, later in the series. Perfect. Well, I hope he's got something good to say. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so food delivery, um, pets, healthcare. Um, I mean, essentially, you know, things clearly that can be delivered to the home, and or that which um, disintermediates the need to actually go out and mix with lots of other people. That's all working really well right now. But but definitely from a from a business mechanics point of view. Um, subscription-based models and app download models are still working pretty well. Sure. Just actually on subscriptions, um, I, I've tried, I think, three separate products, selling them as one-off and selling exactly the same products as subscriptions. And I think in each case, I found that the cost of acquiring a customer when it was a subscription was roughly double the cost of acquiring when it was one-off. Um, mm-hmm. On the positive side, though, although it was twice the cost to get the customer with a subscription customer, once you have them, they do spend more. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so there. I mean, you could be talking about, and, and this definitely is the genius in marketing. I guess is, um, I mean, you can still have you know that, that one-off purchase um, as your friends, your first proposition, but clearly upselling to a subscription. Um, so the subscription doesn't necessarily have to be front and center, but definitely something with recurring revenue. However, that's baked in, whether that's baked in after they've landed on the first sale or actually to generate the first sale. Um, But you're right. I mean, there's definitely more room from a customer acquisition perspective if that's actually baked in at the start, um, because then you understand what the value is. Yeah. I mean, also one of the the, the great things about your role is you see a lot of different um, companies. So, what would you say? What would you say are sort of the successful strategies uh, that you're seeing them use at moments? Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll answer that by telling you what my my normal pitch is um, when I want to um, wind up Google um, in in a friendly way. Um, and I and I always talk about um, the opportunity to run TV as if it were Google. And if you were able to run TV as if it were Google, then surely we should be buying more TV. And if I can control TV in the way that I um, buy Google, then surely I should be buying more TV because I have that level of, of insights. I have the accountability. I have the control. 
have scale. And, and obviously there's limitations within how easily it is to optimize, but there is an opportunity to optimize in campaign. So what I would say is this, um, where we are seeing increasing success actually is the medium of TV amongst e-commerce clients. And that's e-commerce clients, not necessarily all of those who, who believe they've maximized digital and therefore what is the next thing. For some of the brands that we're working with, there is still an awful lot of room to maximize opportunity across the full ecosystem, if you like, the digital ecosystem. And we're helping them to do that because, they, again, you know, there are a number of interesting ways that one can enhance your return via the Google stack particularly, um, which we're massively invested in as a business anyway. So, I mean, Google is a friend of me, just to put it out there, that they're not an enemy. It's definitely a friend of me. Um, but certainly the opportunity that TV um, and the advantage that TV allows um, lots of categories to compete in a way that they perhaps didn't think was possible because there may well have been a myth around the cost of accessing TV, the um, lack of ability to control and, and you know visibility of what ROI looks like. That's not true. We can we can myth bust that. And then the other thing is obviously creative as well. You know the idea that the cost of creating assets for TV requires a Ridley Scott esque type production that needs to be in the Caribbean for at least a month end to end. That's not true. Um, and and these and well, you know, I have to say that is also something that has plummeted. I mean, when I started out, in fact, I, I can tell you. So my very first TV advert, I spent I think. Fifteen thousand pounds on the creative, and then five thousand pounds on the media. So you wouldn't have done very well out of that, Colin. But, <laughs> um, but I think now you, you wouldn't even need to spend fifteen thousand. Um, yeah, on, on creative. I mean, we work with um, a number of really good agencies um, whose raison d'etre is getting brands onto TV and, and using very much the sort of the okay, the ads are perfect, but I mean, there's definitely a, a more of a momentum around done is better than perfect. So if it's about testing the efficacy of the channel, which allows you to scale, which then hopefully if you're getting positive ROI, or at least a story that can show where positive ROI, when it will land, then you can reinvest more. We work with a lot of these guys and they're making ads typically now, depending on whether it's animation um, or, you know, live action, but you can get a really good ad for between five and 10 K. And and that's and that's really good production value. Yeah, I would say that some of the best adverts can maybe just be a customer talking about the product or a description of the product. I mean that and that is something that is very inexpensive to do. Yeah, um, and actually, so so one of the one hundred ones we I always look out for when I'm reviewing um, crates. And by the way, my my disclaimer on this is that I, I don't pretend to be good with the crayons or the words when it comes to reviewing creative. Um, but certainly from a performance perspective, there's a few things that, that you do need to look out for. And one of the things that, that I do look out for, and I have been for the last couple of three years now, is ensuring that clients are adding, funnily enough, a Trustpilot logo to their ads, because that begins to do, Andrew, some of the things that you've just mentioned, i.e. testimonial. Um, Trustpilot is just a really easy, easy visual way of saying, this is what our MPS looks like, our MPS score looks like. Um, so for me, that's, that's a 101, but testimonials. And if I can um, just get a sales pitch in here briefly, if you want to measure your NPS, please do install the Machine Labs app. There you go. <laughs> you can, you can this is why up. I work in marketing. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. So, so creative, creative and media and proposition all, all have to work together. But none of those things, you know, to your question as to where am I seeing opportunity and growth, 
COVID um, has definitely made TV even more viable for even more brands, actually. Um, I mean, just to put it into context, we had in 2020, our agency had the best year ever since we started for onboarding new to TV advertisers. We had over 30 new to TV advertisers come on board during COVID, many of which um, are still on um, and, and many will go on to actually survive and thrive um, outside of COVID as well. But in terms of just that point to point of entry, um, now's a good time. And TV was a number of economies um, in scale that you just can't get um, from digital. And I'll say the other thing I like about TV is trust. It's quite incredible the way your company is viewed. I mean, if you spent $100 on an online ad or $100 on a TV ad, I know immediately which one generates more trust. Um, yeah. Okay. So just moving on then, um, this is one of the questions I love asking. Um, do you have a controversial opinion on marketing? Oh, good question. Um, okay. I, it's, it's, it's not controversial, but... Um, it's, it's a challenge that I hear from a number of our, our brands um, and outside of our agency cohorts quite a lot, which is um, what is the point at which you move from um, maximum performance um, through to um, brand awareness? Um, and, and, and why it jars with me slightly is that there's always this conflation that they talk about brand building and they, they sort of conflate that with meaning that, one will follow the other eye. If we build brand awareness, then actually the sales will follow. And my my hypothesis is that definitely is not the case. You can build awareness around something, but it doesn't actually mean that you're going to sell more of it. So the idea that brands are built from this top-down approach rather than bottom-up, for me, is the thing that I have probably the most conversations around um, with, with senior marketing professionals most of the time because the, the feeling is, no, one needs to come top-down. And I'm saying, no, you need to go bottom-up because – Brands are built, the, 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 most, the brands that have the most longevity, um, certainly from a customer point of view, are brands where you have a number of advocates. So back to what you were saying about NPS, Andrew, and, and you know, what I mentioned earlier about Trustpilot. Lasting brands are built from the bottom up, not from the top down. Um, you don't need to throw out your DR playbook, if you like, your performance playbook, in order to pursue brand. Um, so it's not controversial other than when you read all the marketing handbooks that are out there, they say the opposite. They say brands are built top down, um, whereas I'm my my hypothesis is that brands are built bottom up, not top down. Yeah, I agree completely. And I mean, and the sort of the rule of thumb that I've always followed is spending ten to twenty percent of my marketing budget on sort of brand activities that I, I think are good things to do, but I can't really measure, and yeah. then spend the remaining eighty to ninety percent of the budget on, on just really proper acquisition of customers yeah. yeah and probably you know i maybe start at that 90 10 and as the business gets more successful yeah. i mean there's, there's the definitely company. a balance there's definitely a balance because again you know if, if if your business is 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 one which has um a high street presence or a bricks and mortar type presence then you have omni-channel exposure anyway as opposed to being a, a pure play brand i mean one of the things you said um made me smile when, when you're talking about as a, you know, if you're spending as a consumer, um, what seems to have more credibility? And if you think of the amount of drop shippers that exist in the digital sphere, in Facebook particularly, that you just never see them above the line. And you know, you they would stick another badge on their on their pro- proposition the week after, and it would be no different. 
Um, you just can't do that with brands that are built on TV. Um, so there's definitely a sense of, of, of trust, um, but you do need to acquire customers um, because acquiring customers gives you advocates and advocates bring more customers, basically. Hey, and also, um, more importantly, if you don't acquire customers, your business is probably going to come to a, quite a sticky end anyway, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me, is, is there anything that you've always wanted to be able to do but weren't able to? Um, not really. Um, other than I'd like, I'd like actually our relationship with and marketers. I, I think we'd all probably like our relationship with Amazon to be um, even more partnership based and and less of that closed ecosystem. So just to, to put that into context, um, if there were more data available from Amazon um, that they were prepared to share with their advertisers. Would that allow us to spend even more money above the line, driving even more money to yeah. the Amazon ecosystem? To which the answer is yes, um, because consumers, as I said, you know, we can't dictate where consumers go. We can give them a steer, but we can't dictate exactly where they go. And at the moment, Amazon, um, I would say, of, of, of big e-com platforms, they're the guys who share the least amount of data yeah. um, with their paying customers. And they've certainly um, been closing it down. I mean, when I started, you could you could put inserts into Amazon deliveries, um, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. And then and then that has been closed down. Um, inserts are now only from Amazon. You're not allowed to go in as a third party. Mm. Um, and I also used to advertise pay per click on Amazon that took that took uh, the visitor out of Amazon to my site. And I think that has also been pretty much closed down now too, hasn't it? I think um, so. I think so. So they seem to be moving in that other direction. So, um, so I think, yeah. So I think, I think with them, just because they are, um, they're as big as Google, um, or bigger, depending on the type of search um, you're thinking about. If there was just more open log level sort of sure. files being shared, then yeah. I actually think there's more that marketers could do. Yeah. To the point where actually, if you had an Amazon Inside sticker, you know, so we talked about Trustpilot being a sticker. What would the equivalent to Amazon sticker be um, if one were able to put 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 it in an advert? Um, I think that could be quite interesting. But at the moment, there's just not enough data being shared by them for us to want to double down on driving even more traffic into their ecosystem because we just don't know quite what the efficacy is other than they hoover it all up. <laughs> Great. Although I will say, as someone that has put some of my savings into Amazon, I've actually been quite happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all the benefit. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so the question I am ending up my podcasts with is, tell me the best advice you've ever been given. So it's probably more um, sound bites that I've picked up rather than advice per se. Um, that My main one, and, and it's one that um, unfortunately most of my staff hear me um, rattle on um, at them about a lot of the time. Um, but I, was, I talk about this concept of speed wins. And the speed wins thing is something, Andrew, you'll be very, very comfortable and familiar with anyway, which is, Speed wins means it's okay to fail fast, but we need to do it really quickly. So, um, you know, the done better than perfect thing. Um, speed genuinely, most of the time, speed normally wins out. Um, so I would say um, act quickly as long as you can measure. Equally, don't act quickly if you can't measure because then you can't actually see what, what the outcome um, of those actions are. Um, but there's definitely a speeds win thing I think one should be very cognizant of. The other thing as well um, I really do believe in actually is this idea that you can't have a goal without a plan 
because um, if you have a goal without a plan, then ultimately you must be dreaming. What that what that forces you to do then is to think about what the KPIs are if you were to ladder them on top of each other that come together to actually hit um, ultimately that that goal, basically. How do you derive the plan? You need to have a number of KPIs. Those KPIs are ones that you can then start to tick off. Um, but quite often, um, you know, you, you'll, you'll, see, you'll see things come through um, and or a, a brief. And, and, you know, the brief and the goal of the brief is, wow, OK. And then, you know, for me, I might impart what it is, the marketing side or the advertising side that we control, what that could contribute to the goal. Um, but you also understand that there's a, a whole ton of stuff that we just don't have an impact over as the agency, which the advertiser needs to be cognizant of, i.e. journey, um, usability, all that sort of thing, accessibility, et cetera. So, yeah, th- those would be the two things for me. I think speed wins, goal without a plan. Um, and then the last thing, actually, is something that you said also earlier, which is marketing wins. And I, I'm a genuine believer that marketing, you can market anything to anybody. Um, I, I really do believe that marketing wins. Um, so there's, there's, there's nothing that you can't do if, um, if you don't have the right people around you from a marketing perspective. Great. Well, that's a fantastic note to end on. So thank you very much. I've really enjoyed that, that conversation. Um, for listeners that want to get in touch with you, what's the best way of, for them to connect? So my, my LinkedIn profile um, would just be under my name, obviously, Colin Gillespie. Yeah, find me there and um, I'll, I'd be delighted to have a conversation with you. Well, fantastic. Thank you very much for joining us. And as Colin mentioned, NPS or Net Promoter Score is a vital thing to track. Um, it's kind of almost a bit like I don't know your BMI if you're if you're or it's just one of these things that tells you a lot about your general health as a business, and the Machine Labs app is a great way to do that. Um, so search Machine Labs for more details. See you next time.